You gotta have a podcast. 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 What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to You Gotta Have a Podcast. I'm Angela Palandino. I mean, every single one of these conversations I listen back to, and I just can't believe that I know these people and that they are so wise. Who knew that comedians uh, could be, you know, all-knowing of the universe? I don't know if our guest today would ever say that she was all-knowing of the universe, but I do think you can confidently say she is all-knowing of the HQ trivia answers. I'm talking, of course, about Anna Roisman. Anna is a comedian, writer, actor, host, producer. You name it, she does it. She's a word queen and a style icon. and dog mom to one of the most beautiful dogs in the world, Bobby Flay. Anna is a great person and super fun to talk to. And we started off talking about adaptability and we ended up kind of landing on doing your own thing and not letting anyone tell you what to do. And when, you know, when the cavalry is not coming, you make your own cavalry. She's started shows from scratch and have built them into kind of massive events and she's started you know a streaming show in her living room and and turned it into a really successful podcast among many other things she is great and this conversation is great so please enjoy my little chat with the wonderful anna roisman certain people I just block out like I don't care what some people's opinions are I'm gonna do what I think is best and then you know if it's a project that's gone through like multiple pitch meetings or networks have given me notes on it or something uh I find I'm not in a place yet in my career where I can be so you know uh where I can like put my foot down and just say Mm -hmm. no this is how the project is like you have to be open to that kind of suggestion, you know, like, for example, I mean, yeah, with unemployed, I regret now. I mean, I loved what I did. It was so fun. And I really believe that I trained myself to become a good host by doing 50 live stream shows. But yeah, I feel like I wish I started it as a podcast four years ago because I'd probably have grown it huge. You know what I mean? By now, uh, rather than but, it, you know, I, I wanted to be on, I want to work on camera more than I want to do, in po- you know, more than I want to do podcasting. Although now I feel like it, I don't I don't really have a preference, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it was just yeah. at the time I felt like that was the medium I want to do. I have a good following on Facebook. That was the platform I wanted to launch it on. So I like thought mm-hmm. about it then. But I regret, you know, people said, why isn't it a podcast? Why isn't it a podcast? And I was like, I don't know how to do a podcast right now. This is what I know how to do. So mm-hmm. that was something that always kind of challenged me. And it's funny because then when I did get a job, I was like, well, the only way to keep the brand alive is like, I got to turn this into a podcast. Like, I really want to keep doing it and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's funny that like everyone said that to me and I was like, no, 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 because we were doing something different. It was super fun. I mean, you did the show. It was like it was just like a huge party every Thursday. It became like something I relied on in my life. Um, But 
again, you know, it's been, it, I've gotten many notes on so many different, the, this has had like 30 decks, this show. And yeah. even the other day I had a meeting about it and they like suggested a completely different format. One that I've never, ever considered even for this show and like this brand of being of unemployment and like, you know, where millennials are in terms of unemployed. And I'm just like, it, it rocks my brain. Like we're supposed mm-hmm. to meet, we're supposed to have a follow-up meeting on Monday where I'm supposed to come with like prepared stuff based on what he suggested. And I'm like, I'm like Sunday night, I'll probably sit there and be like, I still have no idea how to see this show (laughs) as I'm really good under pressure like that. Like, I know I'll do my best work at like 3 a.m. Sunday before, you know, like Monday morning before the meeting. (laughs) I don't know. It's hard. But like even I I was going to say I had this project that my writing partner and I had that Mm -hmm. we went to JFL with. It was a script, like a half hour comedy that we wrote. And it was so fun and we loved it. And it was really based on like us and our lives and because uh, it took place at camp and we went to the same camp and we worked there together. And yeah. it was, it's funny because we went through all these meetings and everyone loved us, but they weren't really buying like the show we were trying to sell. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we got a note from someone somewhere being like, have you considered doing this as an unscripted show? Like almost like, you know, a real world or a Jersey shore or something like that. But it was like yeah. the counselors at camp and like, at first you feel like, oh, you don't like my writing. I'm not, <laughs> you know, script. I, my script isn't worthy of a scripted <laughs> show. But like, no, like they liked our personalities. We sold ourselves in the room and they were like, we love you guys. We think you're so fun. We'd love to see you. You, you know, we we had shot something. So they saw us on camera and they were like, mm-hmm. it was a it was an interesting note. And like, I love doing unscripted stuff now. And, you know, unscripted is very, quote, quote unquote unscripted. A lot of it is scripted and planned and, you know, produced. (laughs) But So we thought about it for a while and like we still would if someone's like, I love this idea. I want to produce this. I'm like, absolutely. You kind of have to be open. I think there will come a point in your career or our careers where we're like, no, this is a 30 minute comedy and it will not be anything else. But right now, if someone's like, I see it as a web series, I see it as a feature film, like I'm trying to write unemployed as a book right now, you know, like a self-help kind of, uh, you know, a guidebook, I should say. Like, but so it's like, it's funny because it's like, (laughs) try everything and like, yeah, be open to those kinds of suggestions. I think right now, like if you're early in your career, because you never know what's going to happen. You know, I doubt Andy Mm -hmm. Cohen was like, Ooh, real housewives. That's my goal from day one. Like, (laughs) yeah. You know, and then look at what he made out of it. So who knows? I mean, also like the IP is there. Yeah. And then you like it that almost makes it a little bit easier in some way because like you know the brand and you know the base of the idea so well that then especially after three and a half years with something like unemployed or, you know, this other camp project that you've been working on for so long, it's like, oh, okay. If with with some small amount of effort I can like transform this into a different pitch and see if that will stick because ultimately it's like selling the show you know what's hard is you don't want to do it too many times and you don't want to bring it out until it's really transformed into something new like I did have a great meeting with like a production company you know someone I've known for a while and he's known about the person I I, I'm in contact with there he like has known about this show for a long long time and he he's been a fan and you know now's kind of a great time to to do a show about unemployment, unfortunately, a great time, Mm -hmm. you know, because so many people are unemployed. But 
I took, we had a meeting, I think end of May, beginning of June. (laughs) And like, he really challenged me in terms of like thinking about it in a new way and how it can be produced now and like who I'm trying to target and everything. And like, Mm -hmm. I was so rocked by it. I literally didn't write back with like a fully new, like it took me until end of September to redo the deck. Like I just needed to like process it. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's is not interesting. a bad thing, though, you know, like it's always it's always fun to like see how it turns out afterwards, I think. Yeah, that's true, especially when like there's a difference between like the notes that like piss you off <laughs> and the notes that like knock you off your block and you're like, oh, shit. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That could actually be like there's sometimes you'll get a note and you're just like you don't understand what I'm trying to do here. Like you can ignore those people, but like, like, yeah, when you get a, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But then when you get a note, that's like, Oh, they understand. And they like see it in a totally different way. It, it, yeah, I think that's like really helpful and useful sometimes too. I do too. It doesn't Mm -hmm. seem it at first. It's like one of those things that like, at first you're going to be like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know what to do now. And then you're like, Oh, I get it. Like I needed, I needed that. Right? Yeah, for sure. It's like training. And then, <laughs> training. And then it's almost like kind of nice because like I know with myself personally, a lot of the times when I'm working on something, I'm always like, does anyone else get this? Like, am I the only person who thinks this is funny or a good idea? But then when you get a note like that, it's like, oh, this person understands what like I'm trying to do here. Mm-hmm. And like they have like all these great ideas to like tweak it in a different way. So it's like, yeah. oh, they get it at the totally. baseline level. And you don't know? you feel like those are the people that you're going to like like people who get you and your voice, like no matter mm-hmm. what the project is, whether you're mm-hmm. writing it, whether you're producing it, it's like those you're going to work with those people again. Like if they can help you, if they see you for you, like don't yeah. try and be something. I always think it's like really hard to try and be something else for other people. Like I've done it before where you're like, well, what do they here's what they want. You know, yeah. here's what they're looking for. So I my project could be done like that. It could be for them. Like mm-hmm. I think the best way is like. Always present like what you want to make first, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a lesson we have to learn too. like when we're all starting out and we're young little idiots, like, you know, 21 years old and just starting to do comedy or yeah, whatever. Watch out. I'm 24. So, you know. Yeah. So you've been me. around the block. No, but three <laughs> years. That's all. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um <laughs> eternally 24 uh but like when you're like younger and you're starting out like I know personally I listened to every piece of advice good or bad and I didn't question whether or not this person like understood my voice or understood my vision for things because I was just like they must know better than me Mm -hmm. and then I learned eventually that like to take things with a grain of salt not everyone knows what the fuck they're talking about absolutely I've gotten so many crazy notes and you're just kind of like, what? Really? (laughs) Yeah. And then especially when you're young, I found myself like trying to be everything for everyone and trying to like be something that I really wasn't. Yeah. And it just made the work bad. Mm hmm. It's it's hard. It's it's like I I especially with like writing stuff in classes and like, I mean, you and I met at UCB. I feel like there was Mm -hmm. such a, you know, (laughs) What am I trying to say? There was such a like uh, demand. Like I felt like they really, you know, they there were certain people and certain jokes that always did well there. And like if yeah. you were different at all, like you were not considered a part of the like the main 
group. And yeah, I totally. always felt like an outsider there. And it was hard to like feel like this is where I'm supposed to train and learn and and grow as a co- as a comedian and, you know, creator. And I felt like none of these people even get my comedy, really. Yeah, <laughs> I felt very similarly. And then I spent years trying to like conform and plug myself into that system. And then mm-hmm. it wasn't until eventually I was like, I think that they know that I'm not a fit and I'm just realizing it now. And then I went out and did things like make my own sketch videos and, you know, started really pursuing stand up and found it like way much more of a click. Like it yeah. just like made more sense. Me like, too. Did you? Yeah. Same experience for you? Absolutely. I mean, I did all the classes and everything. And, you know, I love doing like character stuff. And mm-hmm. I I did some of that, but I was sort of like, I saw all these people put their eggs, all their eggs in that basket at UCB. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and you know, yeah, maybe they booked a couple of commercials and stuff, but I was like, what else are they doing? Like I have big plans, you know? And (laughs) so I Mm -hmm. was like, can I do this on my own? And so, yeah, I started making videos and then like companies hired me and I produced videos for them. And I was like, oh, you can easily like make money and like do good work that's not on the UCB stage. So I sort of felt like so glad that I like broke free that I not that I broke free. I still did stuff there and I loved everyone I met there. And I, you know, I had great experiences, but I was so glad that I found like other, you know, platforms and places to like pursue what I want to do. Cause I was like, Oh, if I put this music video out, like it's going to get a billion hits and that's awesome. And then I got, you know, press and like that, that would never happen if I'm on like just a house team, like, you know, doing a show on a Sunday night or something like it was, you kind of had to like change your brain a little bit, you know, cause you, you're there so much and you're like, I want to be a part of it. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's the, the, Wonderful aspects are the like the people that you meet and then like end up working with like you and, uh, you know, Tracy and basically everyone I collaborate with um, now that I don't have to do anything at UCB and UCB doesn't really exist in New York anymore. Right. Um, (laughs) uh, All the all the people that I I work with now, for the most part, I've met through UCB or someone like a friend of a friend from there. So like taking that. aspect of it is like huge Mm -hmm. but I think it takes especially when you're young and impressionable and it it seems like a direct path to success because you know there's all these different levels and whatever it takes a minute to like kind of learn that I think as a a young and And like now, yeah, like you're saying, I love working with you. Yeah, we met there, but like I've seen your work outside of it and you and I have done projects that have been really fun or worked on shows and stuff. And we're like, I'm like, oh, like you're a legit person. You're not just like here to perform an improv show once a week. Like (laughs) you, You plan to do this for real. So I don't know. Yeah, like. It's so funny that we got into the UCP conversation, but I know it's true. It's hard to like look back and think like, wow, I felt. Bit shitty about myself for so long until I finally was like, no, just fucking have the confidence to make what you want to make. Mm-hmm. Don't wait around for these people to see that you have a voice and just fucking go and do it. Like, I just, I don't know. It, that's yeah. the only way to get ahead. Like, I, I agree. And um, yeah, it is funny because like all these, like I talked to so many people about this sort of stuff. Like it's because especially like the people that I surround myself with are the people that then went and did their own thing generally. Mm-hmm. And it always comes back to this. And then we're always like, oh, why are we talking about UCB? <laughs> I know. It's so but, funny. You know, I, 
I felt like I wanted to say one thing. I got to do, before it closed down in New York City, uh, I got to do monologues on ASCAT. And, like, that was Great. such... Uh, it was such a rewarding like feeling because I was like, that was the show. Like that was it. You went there. You watched that show on the floor every week. Mm-hmm. And like and then like to be able to go back and be like, no, like I never got on a house team here. I never, you know, was on like a weekend team or anything that like I thought I wanted. And then mm-hmm. like to be there as like the guest monologist like that was so fucking cool. That felt really yeah. fun. Thanks to I mean, Patrick you- Cotnor for bo- booking me. He's a sweetheart. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out to Patrick. I love yeah. him. Um, you leveled. I mean, you you beat the big boss. I think you completed the uh, the video game that is ECP. I feel like, by- yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like I got the code for like, you know, that old Sega game. And I like, yeah. I, I, I like, I was like, hey, I got the code. Like I skipped a couple levels, but like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm back. Yeah, like, <laughs> up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right. A, B, A, B, square, some word, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Do you want to know something so sad, though? Um I don't want to say names, but the artistic director at the time, I'm sure you know who that is. Mm -hmm. When I got there to do ASCAT, (laughs) they were like, I walked in and I like said hi to people. You know, I'm so excited. I have people coming to watch. And they were like, oh, um, I'm it was I was doing the late show. So there was one show before and they had done. Yeah, they they were performing. They had done the the show. And I walked in and they were like, guys, I have a stomach ache and my head hurts. I really don't feel well. So I'm going to tap out of this show. And uh and someone else is going to is going to improvise instead of me and then walks out like right as I walked in. And I was like, oh, my God, they still hate me here. Like that was my <laughs> first. <laughs> I was like, they don't even want to do the improv show that because I'm doing monologues like my, <laughs> my brain went back to like, you know, young 22 year old me. Yeah. Who was like I'm never going to fit in. <laughs> It's. I mean, listen. That's called PTSD, and I think a lot of us have it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that crazy though? That I, is like, crazy. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't I write mean, a better ending. Like I was like, that's good. I had similar experiences when I would go back and do stuff there. Like even I was putting up a spank that I had written with a like Brashad and a bunch of friends of ours. Um, that was like this really complex show that had like a live band on stage, and we did mm-hmm. like twelve sketches in twenty five minutes, and it was really intense. And we were putting up this show. And meanwhile, I've been off. I've directed like comedy commercials for television. I've written for, for yeah. streaming shows. Like I've done all this stuff. I like I, I do stand up at like theaters and I get paid for it. Uh, but like walking into UCB where like they don't pay performers and everything, I felt like a fucking piece of shit again. And I was like, man, why do I feel this side? <laughs> I know. I know. But it's just like ingrained. It's like the same thing. Like, I don't know. Going back to high school, like, mm-hmm. like you go to your high school reunion. It's like the it's the Romy and Michelle like aspect of it. Yeah, you're <laughs> you right. Know? I was the po- I fucking showed up and I was like, yeah, I sell post its now. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, I think you're just doing ass cat monologues. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> correct. <laughs> I wore a business suit. No, <laughs> but I don't shit on the place. You know, I I it was a good, yeah. Like I met you. I met great. Yeah, like you said before, we met. We made good contacts and, you know, the people who like felt that pressure of them, but also had a lot in them. Like those are the people I work with, too. I'm like, oh, you guys. Ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. I like I'm really grateful for the place. Uh, It had its problems um, with, you know, not paying people and also diversity stuff and a whole bunch of things. But like ultimately the experience was net positive for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. 
it's it's so funny though that Len, you see like those of us who come out of there and and before it when it was still existing actively decided to like oh i'm gonna go do i'm gonna host a show at union hall or i'm gonna do my own live streaming show or like i really like making little sketch videos and i want to create like you you and mike created quickie fest Mm -hmm. um and like i wonder like especially something like like as big as what Quickie Fest ended up being so fucking massive, I feel I like. I know. It's like, especially the one, <laughs> the last one that was at SVA, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, I remember talking to you right before the show, and you were like, this is insane. This is massive. Like, did <laughs> I probably don't, like, was I like, my eyes were like bloodshot red, and I was just yeah, like. Yeah, you were shaking. <laughs> I was like. I was a mess. Yeah, it was it got huge. It got so big and yeah, which is great. But it's also like we did everything ourselves. Like we hired yeah. people to help us out like that day, you know, like because we need mm-hmm. people to sell tickets and we need people to bartend and like, you know, little things. And like, we're happy to have our friends like come and help out and like give them money. And mm-hmm. uh, plus, it's like it's a fun show. You get to be a part of it, too. So it's yeah. not like it's not like we're like, hey, sit in a corner and, you know, count tickets. Um, you right. can Watch it. We don't don't care. But I was working. So like, I didn't know I was, well, I guess the last one I wasn't work. No, I was. Yeah. I was working seven, like six to seven nights a week on HQ. And it's not yeah. just like I show, I write my scripts and I, and I rehearse and I go in, you know, it's a whole, uh, it's a whole day. I mean, not a whole day, yeah. half a day I'd say, but cause this would have been like last summer, right? Yeah. And yeah. I was going to say my show was cut down to two days a week, but that was after Quickie Fest. So mm-hmm. it was a breather, I guess, but it was also <laughs> a huge, you know, sad moment for my paychecks. Um, but right. yeah, Quickie Fest. So we like, we, we thought of it, I guess we started Quickie Fest five years ago at this point mm-hmm. um, in my old office. I don't know. Did you go to the first one? You were in the first one, I feel like, weren't you? Um, or- no, I wasn't. I, no, I think I was, I think the second one was the, when I came in um but i have heard you tell about how you uh had it at your office (laughs) (laughs) my old office (laughs) was apparently max 75 people we definitely squeezed in like 120 people and like Mm -hmm. uh, you know did they have cameras there i have no idea is that the real reason i lost my job could be who could be (laughs) uh i did bribe the doorman with beer so i was like please don't tell anyone here's a case of beer (laughs) (laughs) or a six-pack or whatever and um but then it grew and grew like we literally started it because we were like, I want to make short content. I I want to put it up somewhere. It's really, a, you know, it's hard when you make, you know, this more than anyone because you make so much content. But it's like you make mm-hmm. a video, you put it on YouTube. At least this is how it was over five years ago. You put it on YouTube because uh, yep. we didn't really use Instagram as much for video. Facebook, yes. But, you know, no one cared about views as much. And uh and then you sit there and you just fucking refresh day after day. You're like, refresh, refresh, yeah. refresh. Have people seen it? Have, uh, did I post it enough? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's stressful. It's like we put in all this work and like, who's going to see it? Is anyone going to see it? You know, and maybe not. Yeah. But it's always a calling card. I ha- You have to start looking at it that, uh, you know, you can't look at the views anymore. You really have to just use it as a calling card for whatever the next job you're going to get is. Like, yeah. you never know what they're going to, people are going to see of yours that they're like, oh, they can do this or they've they've made something like this or they, they write jokes about this or they're 
educated in this subject. I don't know. So we did it in the office for a couple of times. Then we moved it to the anthology film archives. It was like a hundred, yep. it was like almost 200 seats, the theater, like 180, 190, something like that. And yeah. we sold out like everyone, every show sold out and it was super fun. And so it was fun. So fun to see your work up on a big screen. Like even yeah. though it's going to go on YouTube and you're going to sit there and probably refresh and see who's watching it. Like it was just such a fun way to like, Hey, show this whole community of creators, like the work you do, because like you said, like you're going to end up maybe working with some of these people. And a lot of them I have worked with, you know, and so, yeah, it's like it's it's just a fun showcase, I guess. And it makes you feel like a fucking movie star, movie producer, director for a night. And like Mm -hmm. you, you know, that was like the whole idea was like, let's make it a big like event for like these small one minute videos. And because it did well, we had to move it to the SVA theater, which it still is at uh, when mm. life is normal. <laughs> it has yeah. been postponed about six times this year. What sucks is like right before the pandemic, we got all of our submissions and now we have to postpone it a year. So we're like, everyone, oh, yeah. you know, we have to figure we have to we have to let everyone know the exact details. We've kind of like as we've learned along the way, like it was supposed to be November 7th. <laughs> now it's not, obviously, because <laughs> we can't have you know, 300 people in a theater on November 7th. Right. Um, but it's, it's been stressful because I'm not an event planner. I'm not a producer like of, of these kinds of like festivals or anything. Mm-hmm. So we've really taught ourselves along the way. And I think we've done a good job, but it's so stressful, Angela. Like every I time can't even imagine. we do it <laughs> and you know, and it's a lot of people's money and we want to make it worth, you know, like, I mean, no, it's not a ton of money, but it's like, we want it to be, we want you to have a great experience. We want people to think, wow, this is professional. This is dope. I love this festival. You know, people mm-hmm. have gotten jobs out of it. We want our panel to be, you know, to know it's really legit and everything. So oh, it, every time I do it, I I want to quit. Like I, Jared has heard me. I, and poor Mike, I'm sure Mike knows every time we do it. I'm like, I think he's really good at planning events. And I think he, mm-hmm. he, he enjoys that kind of stress. I like, I want to make my videos and I'm like, I hate this part. I do it. <laughs> I do it because we've done it. And but like, I yeah. can't wait until, you know, we get to partner with a big company and it's, you know, Quickie Fest brought to you by someone who produces big events. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, because it's it's really just you and Mike doing all the the pre-planning. All of right? it. And we stay up all night long and we try to, you know, in terms of like making the, the program and putting mm-hmm. in the videos and what kind of order, like we really do everything and some of it's fun but you know making sure you have like oh is this printed is this ordered is this this like we have checklists and everything and it's like it's a lot of work that we gave ourselves I also don't think we realized how popular it would be you know like how big it would get so which is it's awesome but you know it's also like I dread it like in a way I was like I was sad we weren't doing it this year because we had just done it at SVA and I was like oh sweet like we have another one already scheduled and then the pandemic hit and we were like fuck now what like I literally don't know (laughs) you know and we put it on film freeway so now we have like international submissions and like how do I say like hey like we can't uh do a festival yet I mean I'm sure everyone gets it now it's not like you know it's just here and no one understands it's the whole fucking yeah, world it's but. a global <laughs> pandemic <laughs> but I don't know yeah it's it's a stressful thing and I'm like oh yeah quickie vest I forgot I like try to block it out a little bit because I'm like yeah when I think about it I feel bad that it's not happening and whatever I mean yeah it, it but like it is it will happen again I'm sure it will it will happen again I mean I think the main takeaway that like 
I I'm like interested in is that like you guys by nature, like you and Mike by nature of wanting to make videos and show them to people in a live room. <laughs> have, like all of a sudden are like not all of a sudden, but over the course of just a couple of years are now event producers <laughs> producing right? like a 500 person event. Like it's, it's 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 crazy how like especially as as, you know, creators and comedians that we are. All like you start out just wanting to write and make videos and perform, and next thing you know, you're a producer and an editor, and you're mm-hmm. fucking everything. I know. Like, it, but if you can be, you have to be, because yeah, especially now I've learned in the pandemic, like I've done so many weird jobs, you know, yeah. like, and I'm like, but I'll I can do them. So you know, if you asked me seven years ago, no, I don't think I'd be doing like this kind of writing job or this or editing this or making this or, you know, like certain skills. So the more you can learn, especially during this time, I feel like people have the time right now to like learn a new skill or like try to put something together. And like, I don't know, it's, it's so key. Like the fact that you even write, edit, direct, act, Mm -hmm. whatever you need to do, you can hop in and be like, I got this. I've done this before. I know what I'm doing. Like, I can be, you know, whatever you need me to be on set. Like, that's such a skill to be adaptable like that. Adaptable. The theme of the day. Look at the theme of the day. Adaptable. Speaking Brought of adaptable, though, we will. We we said from the start we didn't want to do Quickie Fest as an online festival. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just not doing it. I uh-huh. mean, but I, I think that's that's good because the whole reason that you from the start created Quickie Fest like back on day one yeah was because you wanted to show your stuff in a live room with an audience to get a live reaction which you're just not going to get if you yeah. do it online no I can't do that on Zoom I like the thought of even organizing that on Zoom like gives Ugh. me heart palpitation like I'm like absolutely not I don't even like I can't even sit on Zoom for you know I love people but I hate these Zoom you know, weddings. I'm going to say it. I don't want to watch your Zoom wedding. I'm so happy for you. And I'll look at all your photos. But like, I don't need to sit there for two hours. Let, let me come to the party in a year. You know, like you get married. You you enjoy that moment. But is that bad? Yeah. Am I terrible? I'm a terrible human. being. No, I think it's fine. Also, you know, you can just put it up in like put a screenshot of yourself paying attention and you know, hit it, put it on mute and walk away. So that's my <laughs> advice to you. Uh, you just put your headshot up. Be like, it sounds like you've, you've, fi- <laughs> you've figured out the system. <laughs> I'm not saying I've done that at a Zoom yeah, wedding, sure. but I'm not saying that I won't do it. All um, your friends who got married are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, wait, go back. Was Angela there? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you and, and you're like, I'm on a Ferris wheel in Coney Island. <laughs> <laughs> It's like my headshot, like of like me doing stand up, and it's like, is that her watching our wedding? <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. Smart move. I wish I I should have hit you up before I had a couple of these. <laughs> you know what? You got to work smart, not hard. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, speaking of like Zoom versus like live stuff, have you done a ton of like stand up in the pandemic age? Like, what are you doing for stand up wise? Um, I did a couple of Zoom shows. I didn't actively pursue them because I felt yeah. like they were kind of meh. I, I yeah, I love uh, I do a lot for like, well, you know, I work for airtime. I love like virtual performing, but I, I really do prefer to like host something or interview someone. I think that the interaction is a lot easier than just 
standing there and trying to tell jokes. Um, mm-hmm. It's not that hard for me because technically that's all I've done for the last two years is work on HQ. So there's no audience or anything. It's just me and a camera. And, you know, I yeah. <laughs> speak to the, I tell jokes and I know no one's going to laugh, but like I have to just, you know, keep going. So yeah. I, I, that's a skill I have is I'm obsessed with myself and I like my own <laughs> voice and I don't know. It's so funny. Like if my producer like shakes her head, yes. I'm like, Oh, I'm killing it right now. That is the, that is the equivalent of a whole fucking room, 200 people yep. losing their mind over what I just said. So, you know, uh, change your standards, I guess. Um, <laughs> I- change your- well, I mean, at, at least with like platforms like airtime or HQ, you do have audience participation, like in the yeah. comments. Which yeah. I think is huge. My like, I don't watch I've, them on HQ. Though. Like, they're I don't, oh yeah, I, I'm, that would that would be too distracting for me live. To that's like, true. There's see a lot. That. Yeah. Do you guys have like a producer relaying any to you as you do yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. that makes sense. Because I'll say yeah. in the chat like, "Hey guys, like, who do you like more, like Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger?" And I want to know the answer. So you know, mm-hmm. they're seeing the chat for me. And they'll, oh my god, I'm giving away you. all my secrets right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see the chat and I see what you say. And the, no, sometimes I watch the shows back. Like if there was a show, I used to watch them back all the time just to work on my own performance. So I right. see all the comments, you know, which yeah. can easily murder you for a day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just completely decimate your self-worth mm-hmm. for sure. For now sure. I have my parents do that. They don't play. My parents don't play HQ, but they, uh, they watch. Uh-huh. They watch it like it's a show. Like, I don't even think they tap. <laughs> I don't even know if they tap an answer. My dad's like, great performance last night. We watched it. He He's like, and thanks for the shout out. I was like, I shouted you out. Like, I don't even. <laughs> but my It's par- just like know. all a blur sometimes. Oh, yeah. But, but they'll, my mom will always be like, you know, they hated your dress. They loved your dress. <laughs> like, they're here to report like exactly what the chat was, you know, going through it. That they're like, you know, they were really hating question six, but, you know. Leroy's been coming in with the need to know information. (laughs) I always am like, did you play? They're like, no, I can't play these games. I'm like, (laughs) 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 that's freaking so funny. I mean, I I mean, I've done a few Zoom shows. I I I find the lack of of, I don't like it. I find the lack of of just like any any response really draining yeah but i do like i like i've done your shows on uh airtime a couple times and i've enjoyed that because Mm -hmm. i feel like it's more it's it's more like i get it's more energy exchanging than like because it is sort of a back and forth versus like you know, on Zoom, you're just sort of screaming at the screen the whole time. Absolutely. I agree completely. I love, I mean, I'm loving doing these airtime shows, like, especially when I, you know, when you get to like chat with someone else and like just shoot the shit and like you're performing, but you're also like, like you just said, you're like, you're trading energy, you're relating to someone, you know, yeah. we're feeding off of each other. So it, it is fun. You know, I, I feel like, if you have to do the Zoom comedy shows, like, I guess, you know, we'll do them because mm-hmm. it's nice to at least write jokes and <laughs> stay fresh on, like, stuff. But, sure. yeah, I don't love that. I didn't like, you know, even the park shows. I did a couple of those and I'm like, I don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm cold now. I'm, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm cold. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But, yeah. I, it is so strange. I'm almost like that part of my life is just kind of on pause for the moment. I'm finding other ways to do things like yeah. podcasting or whatever. And like I'm doing a lot of writing and all that. But 
Yeah. Or also I'd be like, I'm doing like a couple of, I've done a few, like if someone asks me, especially if it's a paid show, I'm like, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> I'm not going to say no. Right. <laughs> Although, oh my uh, God, it's stressful because I haven't taken a train yet. And like we rented a car for, we like did a zip car for me to do a show on like Upper West Side. And like, I love the producer. I was super excited to do the show, but like the stress of like us getting the car, trying to get there to park on the Upper West Side at night was like, Jared drove around for an hour and a half. I was like, I have to go to the show. Like, you know, and then I had to go late on the lineup because he wasn't there yet. It was just like, I was like, wow, this is a lot. It's a lot of stress that has nothing yeah. to do with the real reason I want to be here. Like, it's yeah. so annoying because I just wish I could, you know, walk to a train, get on it. No, no issues. Actually, that's a lie. That, that I don't miss any of the commuting. Um, but, you know, what that's I mean. true. Like one of the things that I don't miss is uh, like just running around to three shows in a night and then getting home fucking absolutely exhausted at one in the morning and getting up like at 8 a.m. the next day and doing it all again. That's one yeah. of the things I'm like, I, mi- I miss the shows themselves, yeah. but I don't miss all like the sprinting from <laughs> oh, yeah. venue to venue. <laughs> I don't miss any of it. I mean, I- Or like uh, sprinting from auditions and things like that, you know? Oh, God, yeah. I don't think that I had an audition where I wasn't like dripping sweat because I'm like 40 minutes late and like the train and this and that. Like I never, I was never- comfortably on time for this. <laughs> if I was That's on one time, of the th- it was like, best things about New York is no one is ever comfortably on time. <laughs> I hope so. You know, I, it was a I, at least that's hassle. what I tell myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, it's New York. Everyone's 15 minutes late, always for everything. And that's just the way it is. That's good. Yeah. Um, It's so funny. Yeah. So I'm wondering too, like Over the years, you know, you've been doing this for a while, you know, since you for like at least three years since you were 21. Thank Um, you. Yeah, it's been a long, great three years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, The like sort of you gotta advice, like especially the things like, for example, with this podcast, one of the reasons I started it was because I was really frustrated with people being like, you got to have a podcast if you want to like be anything. (laughs) And I'm saying it to you. (laughs) Literally, I had like two different meetings with two like one agent and one manager and they were like to rep um, you for what podcasting no just like as a comedian what my 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 agent did say that say it and like I was like okay and then there was this other like producer manager person who maybe wanted to manage me but then I did ended up not vibing with them so I (laughs) after like three meetings said no but um but this guy specifically this one dude was very like you must have a podcast and I was like I don't know like at the time I was like I don't know what I would even like if I'm gonna have a podcast I want to have something to say with it like right. I'm not just gonna have one to have one like I yeah mean, like and I feel like there's a lot of things like not just podcasting or it's like you got to do this thing and you're like but like I don't have anything to say in that medium or whatever have yeah. you like encountered advice like that sure I think definitely in in lots of ways like especially with podcasting but I'm also like says who like yeah if you nowadays it's like okay cool you're starting a podcast like great welcome to millions of other people especially mm-hmm. now in a pandemic it's like everyone is yeah unless i mean i think like you said if you have something to say if you have a following that wants to hear more from you absolutely why not it's a great medium i love doing it it's fun it yeah. is fun but like i don't think people should push you to do something you don't have like I think the best work comes from whatever you want to do and Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's like homework you know I always feel like when people are like you should do this 
you should never tell anyone what they should do. But like when mm-hmm. you tell someone that, it feels like homework. It feels like I'm not going to do this. I don't want to do my homework because you told me to. Like that's that's my brain. Uh, yeah. When people tell me things like I should be doing this, I should be doing that. But some of it's helpful. It depends who's telling it to you, I think. Like if it's someone you respect and, you know, want to work with or whatever, and they say, hey, I think you should be doing this. Like try it. What can hurt, you know, if you can try it. But I'm trying to think of like specific advice. Like, yeah, I got the advice to turn it into a podcast a long time ago. And I was like adamant about being on camera, about making it an on camera uh, streaming show. So that, Mm -hmm. you know, I look back now and I'm like, maybe I should have taken that advice. I really do. But yeah. I don't know. And, you know, sometimes I'll get advice like, have you thought about making this into a feature? Have you thought about making this animated, you know, different mediums? And I'm like, at first, yeah, like you bite your tongue and you're like, absolutely. (laughs) I love that idea. And then you think about it. And if it's if it works, great. If you if it can't, like, don't do it. Like you were saying earlier, I feel like I I don't like to take people's advice on stuff, but I do like that you're you're turning your frustration with this into a podcast. I think that that's fun, (laughs) you know, like that's what I do. And like (laughs) I had a shitty ass interview once for this company and I was like, fuck it. Instead of complaining about this for the next six months, I'm just going to shoot it as a sketch and show people exactly what happened. I didn't even have to write it. You know, that was written (laughs) for me. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. I think like the advice thing. Yeah. Like take it always with a grain of salt. Uh, I think especially consider who you're talking to. Like for sure. And if it's someone you really want to work with and stuff, someone you want to, you know, build a relationship with, like it can't hurt to try what they're suggesting. But it is a lot to invest in, like, you know, starting an entire podcast or, you know, making a feature film. Like these things aren't easy and cheap. So yeah, I don't know. I, it's I feel like there's like a lot of like, oh, yeah, you should just do it like this. But then like someone's giving that piece of advice is like isn't thinking about the fact that if you like want to do their idea the right way, it's like going to suck up like two and a half years of your life. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, is that really what I want to spend my time on? You yeah. have to be kind of into it. Totally. I mean, you can't waste your time doing something for someone else. Yeah. You want to know completely. a funny piece of advice I thought of? the um. This is going to sound so superficial, but my glasses, <laughs> um, like when I started doing stand up, I guess it was like seven or no longer, like eight years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed I if I wore glasses, people laughed more at my jokes. And that might sound so crazy, but like I noticed that like it was just a thing. It, it, I was mm-hmm. I, fashion is a huge part of my life. I love my clothing. I love you know, learning new trends. I follow so many fucking fashion accounts on Instagram. Like it is a huge, (laughs) if I didn't like to perform as much as I do and do what I, and do comedy and what I do, I Mm -hmm. would 1000% have been like, you know, working in fashion because it's just a world I'm, I, it's just something I love. And I was so paranoid about what to wear for shows, even improv shows back in the day. Like I didn't, I wanted people to respect me for what I'm doing and what I'm performing and what I'm saying. But I, so it's, I like, you know, for stand up, when I first started doing it, I was like, wear a white or a black T-shirt and jeans. Like, don't wear anything like too sexy or don't wear cool boots because they're going to look at your boots. Like, because I would see people do shows and I'd be like, oh, my God, I love that sweater. Like, I would think mm-hmm. that if they're bad comedian. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, just be plain and, you know, wear glasses because they're not going to look at your face. Like, they're going to just think like, oh, you're just like a girl in glasses. Like, and so I started wearing these glasses that had no prescription. They were like Warby Parker, like frames. And 
I remember when I got my first commercial agent, they were like, they were like, oh, and you need pictures in the glasses like that's going to sell you. People only believe you're funny if you wear glasses. What? That's what they told me. <laughs> they said because Tina Fey was funny. And oh, right. She wore glasses. And yeah, sure. I got this. I got this note like uh, or advice. I don't know, like literally a long, long, long time ago. This is like two commercial, three commercial agents ago. And I I was like, oh, my God. So I wore my glasses to everything, to every audition and to every comedy show I did. And I was just like a girl with glasses. I didn't even need a prescription. Cut to like <laughs> three years later, I'm having these massive migraines at this day job I got. And I figured, oh, it's because I stare at a screen all day long because I work in the day now. And like, I just need, you know, <laughs> Advil or <laughs> whatever. And I, my mom was like, you have a sinus problem. And I was like, you're right. No. And then I went and got my eyes checked. <laughs> My eyes were fucked and I had like a bad astigmatism in both my eyes and I needed glasses. And then you don't want them anymore. Once you need Mm -hmm. them and you need a prescription, you're like, ugh, I don't want to wear these or contacts like, ooh. And every so often my agents would send me an email and say, hey, you have an audition for something. By the way, it's for a prettier girl. So can you not wear your glasses? Uh (laughs) Angela, I kid you not. This advice has has like taunted me for years now. Every time I go to get like a headshot or or photos or whatever, I'm like, well, should I wear glasses? Should I not wear glasses? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's always like advice. It's like that piece of advice that it still rings in my ear. Like, do you want to be pretty for this audition or do you want to be funny for this audition? Because you can't be both. You can't be both, Anna. You have to pick one, one or the other. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, now it's like, okay, I think I've I've gotten to a place where I'm like, no, I'm going to wear the cutest boots that I feel like fucking wearing. And I don't care. You know, I'm dressing like me and, you know, hey, I am wearing glasses today or I'm not wearing my glasses. Like I I usually like to wear them, especially when I need to see like on stage and stuff. I I see better. It It's like painful to not yeah. wear them. So <laughs> now it's like a it's, you know, a comfort thing because I'm an old grandmother, but it's it's so funny, like for auditions still, I still like panic for, you know, and if I'm hosting stuff, I'm like, is there going to be a prompter? And like, you know, mm-hmm. I worry about, do I need context? How far away is the prompter going to be? Like, cause I do struggle you with need like, to read. Yeah. And so it, it's always just been like a, a, the advice that I am like, what, what, I don't know how to handle this now. I, I handle it much better, but I still have moments where I'm like glasses or no glasses. Like, what do I do? That's crazy. I that know. fucked you up. That, that really advice did. really fucked you up. Wow. It did. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, did these people like, re- like, uh, like, oh, oh. it, it like, just I makes was me like, so frustrated. Was, I thought Tina Fey was pretty and she wears glasses. Is that not what you think? Like, I didn't yeah. understand that there was like, nope, you're either a pretty girl or you're a glasses girl. You can't yeah. be both. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> if you have brown hair, you have to be a Tina Fey and Tina Fey mm-hmm. has glasses. And that's just the way it is. I know. <laughs> I was like the boy who cried wolf because then I was like, well, what if I wh- I want to be a pretty girl? I, you know, you, yeah, <laughs> you're telling me I'm not like so I have to I have to read something today. <laughs> it's so funny, too. On any like shoot I'm on, too. I'm always like I'll ask like a director. I'll be like, "How do you want me in my glasses? Like, you know, especially like mm-hmm. I remember the first commercial I booked. I, I wore my gla- obviously this was back when I probably didn't even need them. And I or maybe I just got them. I needed gla- and I wore glasses to the callback. I booked this this gig and I showed up on set and, you know, in my glasses or whatever. And I had already gotten my wardrobe and they were like, hey, the glasses aren't our brand. So can you take them off? And I was like, oh, my God, like 
they're going to let me act in this one line commercial <laughs> without my glasses. But I was like, I, I wore them for the callback. Like, I remember just being like, are you sure you're you're OK with my face like without them? Like, <laughs> it's like, but but I wore them in, in the 30 second callback. Like, do you remember? <laughs> no, like th- these glasses sold me to you. Yeah, it? it was like I am these glasses. <laughs> so stupid. It's so that stupid. Is so to think stupid. About. Yeah. <laughs> and h- here you are, like literally still struggling with this glasses thing. Fucking- I know. Can you tell? Yeah. I think you're I think you're deeply scarred. I am. You know, because they always you always have to take them off for a commercial, you know, for any audition. They're like, yeah. can, we, can we see you without your glasses? I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, I have contacts if I need, but I'm terrible yeah. at putting them in. My makeup's gonna be all over the fucking all over my face if I try to put in my contacts. <laughs> Man, Ugh. that's crazy. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And I don't know, like there's just so many things like that that, you know. You think you know the right way to do things because someone told you way back down the line, but then Mm -hmm. you maybe get a few years down the road and you realize that's not the case. I think everyone's on their own path. And it's so, Mm -hmm. so hard to not remember that. Like we need to like I need to wake up and see that every day because I wake up and I go on Instagram before I even pee or brush my teeth and Mm -hmm. compare, compare, compare to other people, you know, like and it's not it's not even like as much of a jealousy thing. It's just like Mm -hmm. it's comparison. It's like, oh, my God, like I love this person. I'm so happy they got this, you know, show or they booked this or they sold something, whatever. And then I'm like, but where am I? Where am I? You know, like I'm another day older and here I am. I'm fucking not doing something. Thing I should have been doing and oh god I think it's so stressful especially with social media but I'm not one of those people who can quit social media I I know I can't I, I yeah. love it too much I it's a part of literally it's it's my everyday you know I'm on it 25 hours a day isn't that <laughs> normal um but I do think that like it's so so important to remember that like not everyone is gonna make it at the same age and not everyone yeah. is gonna necessarily make it doing like so- the project they thought would change their lives like you literally have no idea what someone is going to recognize you know in you or what you're going to put out that's going to get you to another level in your career so I feel like that's why you have to try all this stuff that's why you have to put up a bad TikTok and like watch it fail because that's what (laughs) happened to me the other day and I'm still like I'm like oh my god this was the best thing I've ever made and it's failing on TikTok Um, (laughs) you know it's like one of those things where it's like you can always give the advice to other people, but it's really hard to hear it yourself. Um, yeah. But I think like in terms of getting there, like I think you have to always be open to, you know, to the feedback and to mm-hmm. suggestions, even if it's bullshit, like wear your glasses or you're not a pretty person. Like, like mm-hmm. I had to hear that, you know what I mean? And maybe once in a while it did come in handy. Maybe I did not wear them for the one I- thing that I didn't need them for. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I think also like be don't be so stubborn like I think you have to yeah and like if people are you know if you want to collaborate with try collaborating with different people see who you work best with like yeah you know you can't do this shit on your own you really have to surround yourself with people who you respect and you know whose work ethic you like admire absolutely I don't know I think like you kind of have to go. It sounds so crazy, but you have to be like an open book and just mm-hmm. like float along the river and like pick up all the advice and, you know, the connections and the friends along the way that you need. But like make sure you have a clear idea of where you want to get to. Yeah. 
Completely. I mean, this sounds so nerdy, but there's a quote from. Oh, my uh, God. You're book. such a nerd. <laughs> well, because it's have you read You Are a Badass? That's why I'm like, this is so nerdy because it's like, you know, a self-help book. But there's a quote it. in there that um, I have I put up on my wall after I read it. And it's just stay open or else you are screwed. <laughs> and that like, I was just like, yeah, you That's just so got to stay open. Um, I like that. And. Uh, yeah, so I totally agree. Couldn't agree more. And I love that sentiment. Um, well, it seems to be working out for you, at, at least at the moment anyway, you God. know, as best as it can. I at hope this so. Time, I think I'm you know? always going to feel like it's never working out. <laughs> I think you have to well, also accept thing. that. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. There's always the next thing. Even when you get a fucking Emmy, what do you want next? You want an Oscar? Like, it's right. just, there's never an end. And there's always the next thing. But that's good. It keeps us moving. It keeps us. You just can't get too bogged down in it, I guess. Yeah. I once saw Amy Poehler in an interview with Seth Meyers. He was like uh, interviewing her at 92nd Street Y and when her mm-hmm. book came out. And it was so fun because yeah. I love both of them. And I'll never forget. But like he said to her, you know, you're so successful now. You had Parks and Recreation. You've had all these movies like you have mm-hmm. a theater school, you know, an improv mm-hmm. school and and theater and like. He's like, and she sat there and she was like, I know. And I have many, many leather boots. Like I buy leather bags. Like she, you know, she's like, I get it. Like I'm rich. But she was also like, but you're never satisfied. Like all of my friends, all of her tier of people and, you know, uh, friends that she came up with. She's like, Mm -hmm. everyone's executive producing and everyone has multiple, you know, projects that they're producing on or they're starring. Mm -hmm. You know, like it it never really ends. And you're going to kind of always feel like, well, what's next? What's bigger? And hearing Mm -hmm. someone of that level say that, I'm like, yeah, but you're fucking killing it right now. You're doing everything I want to be doing. And, you know, and and she wasn't complaining or anything. She was just like, your brain is just going to continuously like grow with your career. Like you're just always going to be hungry for more, especially in this business. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's different for people who like doctors who go through so much training and everything. And I imagine that feels so good when you're finally done and you're, you know, able to work and like do what you set out to do. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's amazing. But I think for us, it's like, we have so many highs and lows and it's never like super consistent. Even if you're working on like the greatest thing ever, it's going to end. It's going to end soon. And, you know, even if it's a six year show, six years is not that long of a time, like in terms of life. So I don't know. I think we're kind of always, you know, we're trained to like be ready to like have something taken away from us so fast. So you have to like yeah keep going like what's what is next if everything is gone tomorrow what do I have like truly one thing I've learned this year is that like it could all go away at any moment because like this year like the beginning right when the pandemic hit like pretty much everything just stopped you for like a couple months (laughs) and it's like oh shit yeah um be ready for literally anything because the whole industry could shift at any moment (laughs) yeah always yeah it's wild well Thank you so much for chatting with me today. This has of been course. a really great conversation and I really appreciate I've had so much fun. your of time. Course, I love yeah. you. Anytime. I love doing I love chatting with you and working with you. And like Yeah, you know, it's always a good time. You're one of those people. Anytime you call or you're like, I have a project or I want to cast you in something, like I just know you are such a hustler and you're so professional. And so I'm so happy to like be a part of any of your projects. Thanks, Anna. I would say the same for you. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Uh, where can people find you? And do you have anything coming up that you'd like to share with the listeners? 
Sure. You can find me at Anna Roisman, A-N-N-A-R-O-I-S-M-A-N on all platforms. You can also find my podcast, Unemployed with Anna Roisman. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. And I want to plug, uh, you can find me hosting HQ on Wednesday nights. It's movie trivia night. And check out my stuff online. I make a lot of videos and everything. So you can go to my website, AnnaRoisman.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Anna, for joining me on the pod. This was a fun one. You can tell as, you know, I listened back to this conversation that we really were into it, especially in the second half of the chat. We were just talking so quickly and we can't get our ideas out fast enough. And that's when you know that you're really passionate about something. I mean, yeah. I'm out of breath. Well, that's it for me this week. I'll be back next week with another episode in season one and another great conversation with another creative person. Uh, Until next time, I am Angela Palladino, and this has been You Gotta Have a Podcast. Talk to you next week. Bye. (laughs) Bye.